Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. So we have been kind of talking about the different types of prayer. And um, last week to me was really good. And it was really good because I mean, I, I, I meditated on that analogy about the sports game. And it had me really thinking about you know, uh, just the whole idea of when you go to a game, there's two sides, right? There's opposition. So it kind of made me think about, you know, some of the hindrances and oppositions that we might face in our own communication with God, whether that's corporately or individually. So I thought we would take this week to kind of hone in on three areas that we experience opposition in our prayer lives. The first hindrance, obviously, is those things that we experience personally. Right. So when we say personal hindrances to prayer, um, that's talking about those things that we deal with individually. So there's a few Bible passages here, and we've kind of touched on it throughout the series. But I think today we'll kind of focus on a few of them um, that the Bible clearly says that if these things are not addressed, that these will hinder your communication with God. So first is Matthew 5, 23 and 24. And this says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Okay. Now it's talking about gifts. But it's also talking about our approach to the altar. Okay. And approach to the altar is basically coming in the presence of God, coming in a, to communicate with God, okay? Whether that means to be a blessing or whatever, right? So approaching God in any fashion, God is looking at our hearts, right? And what comes to mind is a lot of times we're in our personal relationships and we have certain things that we go through in our lives. And the unfortunate thing is many times our relationship with God can be like a bomb for our own issues, Right? So, oh, don't worry, prayer will fix it. And, you know, prayer is just like a Band-Aid or a glossing over tool that we use so we don't have to actually face the truth of what we need to be doing, right? So we'll be tempted to pray, but we know we have a problem with somebody. God is really looking at the posture of your heart and not just your motives, like, you know, whether you want something from God, but he's also concerned about how we treat each other. He's very concerned about our posture to him when we have ought against our brothers and sisters. And it's just, this is interesting here because the Bible says it very clearly. If you come to the altar and remember that someone has ought against you, then don't stay at the altar. Go back and deal with that first and then come, right? So it is, it is, there's a connotation of coming to God exposes and causes you to remember your place. And remember, maybe there's something before I seek to ask God or anything, maybe there's some things that I need to address. The interesting thing about this too is when you come to the altar and you realize that your brother has something against you, leave the gift there, go reconcile with your brother, and then come back. Why? Because if you're going to be 
a channel, an instrument for God to deposit whatever that prayer is supposed to produce, not only in your life, but in the world, then it's got to be a clear channel. Because God may very well, your answer may be tied to the person that, that, that where offense is. And how you're going to be able to be pure enough to do that if you have ought or you know that there's ought going on. So that's the first personal hindrance. The second one is cherished sin in your heart. So this is cherished iniquity in your heart. Notice the key word is cherished, right? So that means there are things in your life, there are things that you're dealing with that are in an unrepentant state. That basically means that, you know, there's some things that you are, um, that you're, kind of hiding or doing that you know God sees because God sees everything and it's being cherished. That means you're you're treasuring it. Um, you're you're you're, you're not an idol. Yes. Indulging in it. Indulging. That's what I was looking for. So you're indulging in it. Right. A lot of times these types of things cause us to pray from a posture of guilt and pray from a posture of shame and that kind of thing. Approaching God with those kinds of things. Psalms 66, 18 through 20. And it says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God. He has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. There's an idea here of you praying and actually having your prayer rejected because you have cherished iniquity in your heart. Okay. So these are personal things that it's almost like we, God is, when we approach God, and we kind of talked about that with the, with the, with the court, in a court, the outer court, you know, in a court, holy of holies, that when we approach God, there's this process of examining yourself, right? And not examining yourself to the point of condemning yourself, but just recognizing whose presence you're going in and understanding that to the best of my ability, I have to respect who I'm getting ready to talk to. So approaching God with that posture, here comes this screening and filtering of the heart that comes from you understanding or an awareness of who you're approaching. Because at the end of the day, when we pray, the Bible tells us that we know he heard us when we pray according to his will. We know he heard us because his word says so. And if we have a relationship with his word, there's a confidence that comes with knowing that we're being heard. But it is possible to have your prayer rejected if there are things in our lives that we are knowingly not putting before God and repenting for. The next thing is asking amiss. This is one that we kind of touched on, but I think we we'll take another a couple minutes to talk on it. And this is James 4, 2 through 3. And this basically says, you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives or with a covetous heart, or you ask amiss, amiss meaning covetous heart, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So this is another thing. God knows when we're coming to pray what we're really asking for. Like he, he knows what we're asking. He knows why. So, you know, hey, listen, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking around and I see you know, everybody's getting blessed and this person just got something and this person didn't get something. And, you know, what about me? So, so I, I want this, I want this Lord. And yeah, you know, if you give it to me, I, I'll, I'll be a blessing. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I'll share it. I'll, I'll 
I'll give, I'll do whatever you want. You give me that new car, of course I'll bring people to church. Why wouldn't I do that? If you breast believe this with that house, of course I will invite people into my house and let it be a blessing to you. But God really knows if that's really what you want or you just want to keep up with the Joneses. God knows that, right? So asking amiss really means that you're asking from a place of desiring it for your own pleasures solely. So then those prayers don't get answered because God doesn't want to give you something that's going to corrupt your soul and cause you to lose out with him. So the reason why he says no or he doesn't answer it is possibly because if I give this to you, it's going to destroy you. You're going to destroy yourself because I know you better than you know you. So asking amiss is another personal hindrance. And these personal hindrances are things that I believe the Lord wants us to focus on when we're approaching him. And, and once again, right, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Remember that, right? So when you are approaching God and you are checking your heart and checking your motives, those things like, Lord, be honest. God, you know what? Honestly, I need this thing, but I'm looking around. I'm seeing you blessing everybody else with this stuff. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I want it because, I mean, I want to enjoy it too. It's the transparency and the honesty that comes, not allowing yourself to fall into guilt. Lord, listen, I got this struggle. I got this vice I'm dealing with. At this particular point in my life, I like it. It's pleasurable to me. It's filling a void. Lord, help me to love you more than I love doing this thing. And you proceed into God's presence. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, was, I was just going to say, and that, that speaks to another prayer definitely worth at least mentioning and acknowledging is the prayer of repentance. Yeah. Because like you said, if there are things in our hearts or in our life that are not uh, accounted for or repented, then how can we, yeah. uh, like, how can we approach a holy God or go any further mm -hmm. because there's that big elephant in the room. And, mm -hmm. and the, to me, one of the most effective and impactful examples of a repentant prayer would be Psalms 51. Yeah. Because David was caught doing one of the most... <laughs> gangster stuff. He was gangster, yeah. I don't even know, was... know the word for uh, it. <laughs> uh, yeah. One of the, the craziest sins that you could do Multiple he, ones. It's yes. The whole thing. All Cover wrapped up, up in one big yeah. ball of sin. Yeah. Coveted his neighbor's wife. Yeah. He had his, his neighbor's husband killed. Then he slept with his neighbor. So he's committing adultery. He's all these things he's doing. But And he's a king. Right. Yeah. So he's he's supposed to be the example. Yeah, but crazy. in in all of that, he's still once confronted with what he'd done, he still repented. Mm-hmm. And God heard his his cry and and granted him forgiveness, but and, and calls him a man after his own heart, yeah. which to this day is still a mystery to me. Yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my head around why and how he was considered a man after God's own heart. Um, but the point is, you know, that Psalms 51 is uh, a beautiful illustration of a prayer of repentance mm -hmm. and how I don't want to say easy in the sense that you can just keep doing it and then repent, doing it, repent, but once you get to a place of repentance, mm -hmm. it's it really is as simple as acknowledging what you've done. Right. And I think about like an example would be like if you have, I don't know, like robbed somebody and you have offended them in gross ways, like you robbed them, you crashed their car, then you curse out their wife and kids and you do all these crazy things and both of you know you've done it. Mm 
And then you see them the next day and you're like, hey, what's up? So I was actually thinking maybe we could go to the mall and go shopping and then go go to lunch. And then I was also thinking, is it possible I could borrow your your lawnmower? And like you you, you see how crazy that yeah, is and how yeah. that sounds. But if we are not acknowledging the things that we've done to a person and mm-hmm. yet we want to mm-hmm. gloss over it and That's have good. a conversation with them and ask them for things and like go to the, the mall and, and 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 do all these things, it looks crazy, right? And it sounds crazy. But in essence, that's kind of what we're doing to God mm. when we're not acknowledging mm. and repenting for the things that we've done. And there are things in our heart like unforgiveness. Like how, how can you, when two commandments he gave us in the New Testament, mm-hmm. right? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, mm-hmm. and then... He says to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So if you're harboring unforgiveness in your heart and you're not treating them the way they should be treated as his creation, yeah. not even just as his children because everybody's not his child, but just as his creation, if you're not doing that and you're not doing the two commandments that he said, how can you approach him and talk to him? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, you can't mistreat my child and then come to me mm. or... Yeah. You know, at least not acknowledge, okay, I, I was wrong. I'm bugging right now. Let me mm-hmm. at least say sorry for that. So, you know, just to put it in That's perspective. Great. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely right. The last uh, personal hindrance would be basically a lack of faith. So this kind of touches on a little bit of what we talked about last time about expectation, right? So when you come to God and you're seeking God for something, um, you're asking more from a sense of a formality, like I should pray because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a Christian or, I, you know, I have a relationship with God, so I should just pray. I mean, my plan is really to do my own thing because at the end of the day, I don't really believe God's going to do this. So I'm going to just go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for um, and help me to do this, Lord, please. But I don't really believe that you're going to do it because, I mean, honestly, when was the last time I had my prayer answered? When was the last time, you know? And, and honestly, I think we all can relate to having seasons in our lives where that has been like, Lord, I mean, it's been a long time. You know, I've been struggling in this season for quite some time. And um, I mean, if, if I was to be honest with myself, I don't, re- I don't believe that, you know, you're going to you really, really do this for me. And that goes to the for me part, right? And if, if you think about the times that we feel like God is not going to do it, um, is the times that we feel like it's more attached to us and it's more attached to our merit of it, you know, or our ability to earn God's grace and earn God's uh, favor in that way. And, and just to yeah. add, sometimes it's as simple as the thing that you're petitioning or bringing to God seems insurmountable. That's true. Yep. It seems too big because mm-hmm. we're, we approach it with human Mm-hmm. confines and understanding like mm-hmm. we're thinking this is just way too big right. like you know like you, you're in in insurance and sales and stuff mm-hmm. and one of the main things they tell you to do is not to think with your own yep. pocketbook mm-hmm. right or think with your own wallet because you will assume that they can't afford it right. because you can't afford it at the time yep. the same with us and approaching God it's like it's so big I can't figure it out on my own. So I know you can't figure it out. Right. So I'm saying it, but in my in my mind, I don't really believe that you can do yep. it because yep. I can't do it. Yep. You, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Even saying that is crazy because mm-hmm. who are we? So 
it's actually the opposite. Like God can do it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. But because in our human minds, we are experiencing life and we say, we we assume that God is on our level. And it goes back to what we said in the beginning of this uh, series when we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. The very first line is our Father who art in heaven. Mm -hmm. So continuing to remind ourselves and put in perspective that he's up there and I'm down here. So, you know, when we approach him with doubt and unbelief, a lot of times it's because we're not putting in perspective who he really is. Mm -hmm. So we don't believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have said it better. I think we've all been there. We all know what that that feels like. Um, So, I mean, that, that also speaks to like the humility part, like you're saying, you know, not leaning on our own understanding, but acknowledging him. Um, as God. So the scripture um, that kind of references that is uh, James 1, verses 6 through 8. And, the, and it reads, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So that, that, that comes with that, you know, uh, that vacillation between our ability and God's ability. And, you know, I'm going to trust God, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really because, like you said, it's too big for me or because I have a plan B. So, you know, it is what it is. So, so when you ask in God and you bring it to God, God wants to be your source. God wants to be the first resort. God wants to be the only resort. And whether that's something that you feel is impossible for God to do because you can't do it, or whether it's something that you feel like I can do myself, but God, I'll let you know if I need help. <laughs> yeah, we know how we are. So, I mean, that's just the truth of it. So these are, the, these are a few things that can hinder our, um, our effectiveness in prayer. They can hinder our um, feeling like we're being heard. They can also hinder, in many cases, the answer that we get personally. So these are some obstacles that we have um, that we deal with. And this area right here is kind of out of our control to a certain degree. So this is societal or social hindrances, taking prayer out of schools. This is kind of like you can't say the name of Jesus in this environment. Or this is governmental laws and things like that that are putting in place to uh, make it more difficult for you to freely exercise your devotion to the Lord. You see this happening all over the world, you know, in Afghanistan, and you see in various parts of the Middle East, and you have North Korea, North Korea, and yeah, and even here, really, yeah. um, with with everything that's been going on, and you know, it's under the guise of something else, and so here, you will never get—I shouldn't say never—but history has proven that they don't overtly mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. We don't want God, but it's it's done very covertly mm-hmm. through legislation, mm-hmm. through different things. And even now with everything being shut down, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. for your safety. Right. We're going to limit how many people can gather. And then we're also going to limit what's mm-hmm. being said because it's not politically correct and you're not being understanding and tolerant and and accepting. Mm -hmm. And and, and now things are being labeled hate speech, which is, you know. Yeah. So we see how it's the same thing, but just a different package. 
Yeah, and 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 the, the amazing thing about this, this is not new. Like this was happening since the beginning of governmental society. In Daniel chapter six, verses seven through nine, the royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except for you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Okay, so this was happening. Then we all know the story, the famous story about Daniel getting thrown in the lion's den. And I think it's important to kind of take a couple minutes to focus on what the problem was. So at the end of the day, Daniel, who was a standout at this time, had a very, very intimate relationship with God. He made no qualms about letting people know he was praying. He had his private devotion and people knew that he was praying. There was some controversy that arose amongst the leaders to stifle communion with the one true God, okay? So the people who had the king's ear had plotted to force him or to encourage him that his loyal, people's loyalty to him was not uh, being practiced, that there is a possibility of another God having more glory than you. People's faith in something else can cause them potentially to rebel against you. Now, you don't want that. So why don't we make a law that anybody who prays to anybody else but you is in rebellion and they need to basically be silenced and canceled? So guess what, Daniel? He has the favor of the king, but at the same time, the king is not his God. The God of heaven is his God. So he gets caught praying in his window one day and the administrators, after this decree is put out, the administrators go back to the king and say, hey, listen, you put this decree out and now, you know, Daniel is out there praying to another God. Now, I know who he is, but at the same time, Look, it's a decree. It's written. This is the law now. So we got to do something about it. He needs to be silenced. We are living in a time right now where our devotion to God, our commitment to prayer, our commitment to the God of Jesus Christ is being challenged. Mm -hmm. And societal and cultural influences are being uh, empowered yeah, yeah, and put in place to challenge our commitment to our faith. So this is right here where it's kind of like, are you gonna choose to hold true to your faith and to the integrity of your relationship with the Lord and communication with God, despite what societal and cultural norms are now dictating? So they'll take prayer out of school, but am I gonna pray with my kids at home? Am I going to still instill the importance of communication with God despite what society is doing? That just also reminds me of last week when we were talking about how John and Peter went back and talked to the believers about what they had been threatened with mm-hmm. by the, the, the leaders of the Jewish community and how they said, you know, if you don't stop, you, right. you guys are going to be locked up. Yeah. And they went behind closed doors 
with each other and they prayed for boldness mm -hmm. to be able to continue. And it, I honestly, I believe that's where we're headed, where we're going to have to really start to pray and ask God for the boldness to continue doing what we're doing in the yeah. face of adversity, yeah. in the face of hindrances and oppositions, because it's only going to get worse from here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're living in a day now where it's, this is going to be the, the, the goalpost has been moved mm -hmm. and the, the line in the sand has been drawn. And now we have to be able to come together. And I believe God will give us wisdom yeah. where we won't necessarily at some, at some point it may come to, for some people going out into the yeah. street and heralding it. I will not, you know, mm -hmm. I will mm -hmm. believe and I will pray, but for some of us, God will give us wisdom on when and how to move right. where just as covert as they're being, we can be just as covert mm -hmm. and we can go behind the scenes and do what we have to do. And still, because Daniel wasn't necessarily in the street praying, right? he was in the, the, the comfort and the confines of his own and they home, was fine. Yeah. but they went out and sought mm -hmm. because they already knew he had a reputation of being a, a, a man of excellence and a man that basically did things God's way and he, mm -hmm. he was a representative of God. But them seeing him in his window, in his home, mm -hmm. was enough for him to, you know, so he wasn't, you know, my point is he wasn't out there, right. but they still knew who he was. So, you know, I pray God gives us wisdom for some of us that we're not necessarily, like I said, heralding it, mm -hmm. but we're still able to move with integrity yeah. and do what we need to do. Yeah. And not compromise. Yeah. Yeah. As I like think about, you know, this and all the pressure that is being placed upon our relationships with the Lord in these days. And, you know, if it's not coming from the media, it's coming from, you know, what we listen to, it's coming from the conversations that are that are that we're being uh saturated with and then it's coming from our own fears and our own anxieties because at the end of the day especially if you have a family you there's a need to protect there's a need to to make sure that they're all safe you know and that they're not being corrupted um and, and then it's in covertly being influenced to um seeds being planted to kind of sour their purity and all this kind of stuff is is is, is crazy as happening um the prayer for boldness um is so key and the reason why I believe that is, is because this is a perfect environment for God to prove himself as God amongst people who are willing to take a stand and amongst people who are willing to really say, you know what, come what may, my relationship with God is the most important thing to me. And you're not going to stop me from praying in Jesus name. You're not going to stop me from living for the Lord, because at the end of the day, I value my relationship with God to the point that I'm willing to die for it. That type of boldness takes courage and empowerment of the Holy Spirit and a revelation of how much God has actually given us. And these days are actually calling for a level of commitment that's like, you know what, no, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to, you know, back up. I'm not going to. And this is why prayer is so important, because in communication with God, just like you in communication with anybody else, this communication opens up or broadens our perspective of appreciation of each other. The more time you spend with somebody, the more value you see in your relationship with them, which makes them more valuable and worth protecting, which makes your relationship worth protecting, right? So this communion with God, allowing God's 
heart to be manifest through the earth. The more we communicate with God, the more we're going to understand his heart and what he'd like to see. And guess what? We'll start to be instruments to help his work be carried out in the earth. And I think a revelation of how much God really cares for us can only be downloaded through prayer and communication with God and on a consistent basis. So at the end of the day, this praying for boldness in this climate is actually creating an opportunity for God to work miracles and to do amazing things to prove that prayer is important. Mm -hmm. So Daniel got arrested. And yes, he did end up in the lion's den because it was the law and God let it happen. So the law happened and there were consequences that God let happen. And a lot of times, and it, see this part right here can be scary for people because you don't know how far God is going to let things go before he starts to step in. True. And a lot of times God lets it go to painfully excruciating, almost like a thriller suspense movie to the very end so that he can come in and just turn the whole situation around. Every, if you look at the Bible and every major miracle that God has done in the Bible got to a place where it was like, oh, we're definitely going to die. This is it. You know, you might as well, let's just get ready. Let's just get ready. And sometimes God doesn't even wait until the very last minute to save us. Sometimes he lets it happen. He lets it happen. Like what's the worst that can happen? You die? Well, Jesus died. But I think about even in that, like the, the, how the, the centurion after he died, he mm -hmm. said, surely this was... After Jesus died. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes God will allow that the very thing to happen so that somebody else can be a witness to the fact that, oh, if they still believed, even in that, then it must be real. Yeah. So it's not for us necessarily, our benefit, but it's for somebody else's benefit, all for the glory of God. Yeah. And so, even in that, like, like you said, with, with Lazarus. Right. Yeah. So when Lazarus like, oh, he's sick. OK, well, I'm just going to wait here and we're just going to let Lazarus die. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I can raise him back up. So I'm going to go, you know, three days later. I'm not going to go to the funeral. I'm just going to go and just raise him up. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy how, you know, these opportunities, like when it gets really tense and really scary, you know, it, it's an opportunity for God to work a work and work a miracle. Daniel here is, he's in a lion's den and the lions are hungry. It's <laughs> crazy. So not, and God knows all this, you know, and this is, this is coming, this is somebody who has a relationship with God and is praying regardless of the edict. Like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna keep praying. And then he gets arrested. Then he gets the consequence. He gets thrown in the lion's den and the lion just happens to be like super hungry. Like, just imagine that. Like, that's crazy. And I know this is like a childhood story. Oh, yeah, lay down in the lion's den. But just think about the implications of some in, in our own personal lives, right? In our lives and things that we go through in our lives that, you know, it's just like, oh, my goodness, Lord, the heat is cranked up so high. Like, this is crazy right now. Really? You're going to let it go this far? You're going to let it go this far? And this is when your communion with God keeps you sane and you're understanding God's heart towards you. And you're understanding God's purpose in the earth. And God is going to use you as an instrument to bring change and to not only show the importance and the value of having a relationship with God by just proving himself in a miraculous way. That a lot of times at the end of this thing, there's a level of respect that comes from the outsiders 
in your relationship with God. So we all know the story. At the end of the day, Daniel's in the lion's den. The king is all sad because he had to put him in there because the advisors basically said that this is the role, this is the law. The king rushes there in the morning. He's there all night in the lion's den. Everybody assumes he's dead because the lions are hungry. That's it. And the king comes to the den, calls out for Daniel. Guess what? Daniel's like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm still alive. And I'm still going to pray. And y'all need to do something about this edict because at the end of the day, this is the true God. You need to serve him too. Look at what God did. He used you to give those who were, would not otherwise have a revelation of God's realness, now they have some evidence that, you know what? Maybe there's something to mm -hmm. this whole prayer thing. Maybe there's something to this whole relationship with God thing. The question is, like, are you willing to be used in that way? Mm -hmm. That God wants to push you to the edge of your faith mm -hmm. and push you to the edge of your trust that could you still hold on and be an instrument this is the, basically the challenge that God is kind of like laying on our hearts today, that either way you shake it, just pray. Make prayer a priority and God's will being done in the earth as a priority. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this time that you, has Lord. been set aside. We thank you for speaking to us once more, for challenging us in our prayer life, God, and for making us aware of the hindrances and the things and obstacles that could prevent us from being heard by you, God. Yes. Lord, I pray, God, that we examine our hearts, God. Your word says to let a man examine himself. Yes. I pray, God, that we examine our hearts and our minds, that we would deal with and acknowledge those things Listen. that are hindering us from being heard by you, God. Acknowledge the unforgiveness in our hearts. Acknowledge the doubt mm. and the unbelief that we may have in our hearts, God. That we acknowledge the sin, the unrepentant sin, the, the cherished sin that might be in our hearts mm. that we hold on to that nobody knows about, God. Yes, I pray, God, that you would forgive us, God, and that we would be new in you once yes, more, Lord. God. I pray, God, that you would revolutionize our prayer lives and that we would have such an intimate prayer life that it would go to levels unknown, yes. God. I pray that you would give us the grace for the things that won't change, the mercy for the things that we do that will cause us to fall short, God, mm. and the favor for the things that we can't obtain on our own, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.